Hey everybody and welcome along to this week's edition of the Irish Golfer Podcast. As always, brought to you in association with KPMG. I'm your host, Peter Finnan, and joined again by uh, John Craven. Hey, John. Hey, Pete. How are you? Good, good. Good to have you back again this week. Week off. I know. I saw you giving out about my politics last week. Didn't take it kindly, but we'll start with politics this week just to keep everyone happy that I'm back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, a bit to get through this week, but yeah, like from a, a political point of view, I think, uh, you know, people I've been talking to over the last... The last week definitely ha- have found the last week of this lockdown the toughest. Um, there's kind of no end in sight to it. But when you get, we we're kind of teased a bit. Radker came out one of the days and said, oh, yeah, we'll have a return to outdoor sports and golf and stuff like that. And then literally a day later, Michal Martin is like, oh, things will be extended level five again and another six weeks. And no one kind of knows where we stand on it. It's, uh, it's a bit of a bit of a minefield. Yeah, it's a killer. And um, we had an article up by our own John Shore today. He was talking about that kind of political one-upmanship. Um, and you just don't know who to believe or what leak you want to listen to. And obviously we want golf open on March 5th. We see no reason why it shouldn't be. Um, and I, yeah, the idea that this could be another six weeks of what we have now, especially I think today... I was out for a walk there just before I got on and it, like, it's warm. It's the first real day where I've looked out the window and like, I love the game of golf. Um, and I think it's, we're within our rights at this stage to know why we're not allowed to play. Cause simply just lumping us in with everyone else having proved already that golf is a safe sport and safe to play and naturally social distance. Like, I think people are ready. They want answers. Yeah, I think the bit the biggest thing that that really annoys me is like I'm living in Nace. You go out and you walk around sort of parks around here, canal. There's lovely walks, but literally there's there's hundreds of people. Like you're wearing masks going out for walks because you're coming in. You know, you're there's small paths. You're coming in close contact with so many people out. Yet golf courses are empty and like you know, I read this week UK. Well, the UK announcements are coming i think on the 22nd of feb boris is set to make his uh, announcement of what they're going to do rollout wise and i was reading in the sunday times yesterday that they're they're looking like schools possibly opening from the 5th to the 8th of march and then outdoor sports like golf following suit a week or two later is what they're estimating and two balls only like that that would give them i suppose paddy's weekend in around paddy's week which is traditionally the start of the golf season here anyway um something for them to look forward to i just don't know what our lot will do though yeah it's impossible to know our whole thing is like this living with covid plan i often laugh at that because i don't know who is living at the minute doing anything apart from as you say walking in these public spaces i'm opposite the phoenix park here and it is absolutely mayhem i and i'm i'm thankful that i have that like i can't imagine people that don't have access to public spaces what they're going through and I get that the government's policy is all about limiting movement, um, which makes sense. But when we think back to when golf got the green light last May and even our first game of golf, when it was a case of booking online, we like you change the shoes in the car, you go straight to the tee. We didn't see anybody. I think it was 14 minute slots or something for a three ball. And like we had the course to ourselves and it never felt safer. Not that I ever feel unsafe, but like it just the whole logic of how golf is closed, it really hit home how ridiculous it all is. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. No, hopefully, 
hopefully we get some words of encouragement now over the next week or two just to give someone hope. I'm just hoping that they're giving us this, you know, six weeks of level five further restrictions that that was a bit of kite flying last week and they like everyone's feeling a bit down and then they come out with some good news over the next uh, week, two weeks and give us like give the kids their schools back and stuff like that and start slowly integrating. But some form of a plan to get out to back to outdoor activities and golf being included in that just it just has to happen because if we get to like if we're without it for March as well it's, it's not just for golf it's just a greater mental health implications of yeah. getting out and doing something you know we're all we're all just bored off our faces like and we're not trying to talk down the situation that's out there like it's still it's serious but it'll get a lot more serious for a lot more people if if we're not allowed to go out and get like just differentiate your physical exercise and what you're doing during the day. Yeah, exactly. No, everyone is just in need of a lift. It's simple as that. And like, yeah, we're not medical experts, but at the same time, I don't see what like damage we'd be causing going straight to the first tee of a golf club and like the benefits of that, to, we've got like the mental health benefits of that are just, just huge. Like they're unparalleled. I think there's a big frustration the, the silence is what kills people, I think. And like, I feel like Golf Ireland, they're handling this. Like, it's a bit of a public relations disaster. They're new to the game, obviously, after the ILGU and GUI merged or whatever. But we have this new governing body and it, like, there's just no one saying anything. I think it would do like the, your average golfer a lot of good to know that someone was at least in their corner, um, like yeah. making a cake, whether it's successful or not. I think they are. I think like it's just very. They're stuck in between. I like I defend them a bit because like I think Mark Canelli. I think we have a perfect CEO there for those negotiations and with his government background, his Fine Gael background, working so long in uh, government offices, knows how things get done and get signed off. And I think we're well positioned to wait for the right time. I'm just hoping that that's all happening in the background and they're just not communicating that out to us as golfers because i know but i don't that doesn't wash for me to not communicate a bit of it like why not communicate it even if it's a case of we are trying our best we'll come back to you soon like we've put up a couple of posts now recently and it's very clear to see that there's a lot of resentment towards golf ireland people are wondering they're wondering if they're going to get money back for their subs they're wondering why would i pay my sub for this year is there going to be any golf like I'm not in that case, like we paid our subs, golf courses need to be maintained and have been maintained. So I don't go in for that argument, but you would like a bit of just encouragement even to, to know that there's going to be golf. Well, there's going to be golf this year, but as you say, March is the start of the season. So people want to be out now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just a word on it. I think would be nice from golf Ireland. Just fill us in. Uh, give us a little bit just, of smoke. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we'll judge um, ourselves by the color. Just give us a little bit of smoke somewhere. But, um, <laughs> yeah, getting back to I suppose golf itself. Um, we'd a week off from the European tour, but we had uh, a lot of action on the PGA tour. It was great. That was probably the best Sunday viewing of golf I've had since definitely since the Masters. I would say. I yeah I really liked last week as well the um Kepka coming through the field um but yeah I agree like it's it's definitely um I don't know the season has started I guess and and it's uh, like mainly thanks to one man it's jo the Jordan speech show at the minute 
um, even when he's not winning. Like he's just captivating. Um, I don't know what you thought of it. Like when, before the golf started on Sunday, what chance would you have given him? I had written him off. I had written him off. And I like, I, I, that's why I put a poll up on our Instagram and I was shocked that 72% of people thought he was going to win. Like I, I kind of said last week when we had um, Mark on the pod like that, I just, it just doesn't stack up. Like he can't string four rounds together. He's just too inconsistent. I would like to see him win. I would definitely like to see him win because He's a likable type guy. He's gra- like he's he's just a grafter and he's getting in. But it's just too much under pressure. There's there's too many inconsistencies going on. And I, I, I can't see him getting the job done anywhere with his swing off the tee the way it is, just where he's putting himself and he's missing left, he's missing right. He doesn't know where his misses are. It's fun to watch because a lot of us can relate to what he's doing. But um his struggles are not going to change unless there's some fundamental changes made in his swing. And I, I think even, you know, some players go on about there's certain courses with suit them with their shape, with their mindset, with their mentality. And yeah, a lot of people will lean towards Augusta national for Jordan and he's well capable of doing that. But like, if he wings it off the tee around Augusta, like he has been the last few weeks, yeah, he's capable of one or two mid-60s, but there's too many 72, 73, 74s to win. Yeah, well, you're not going to play out of the trees in Augusta. Um, but I would say it to you that he goes into that round with a two-shot lead and he shoots two under par. Like, you can't really describe that as a bottle job now. No, no, I wouldn't describe it as a bottle job. I just think two under par doesn't get it done on the PGA Tour on a Sunday. Especially not Even on a wide open course like that. Like that, that was a tough golf course. Yeah, but you look at all the roughs cut away at this time of the year, and like, um, yeah, I just, I just, he's made massive improvements, and you can't like to get himself into the results that he's got into over the last few weeks. Great improvements, but like, you look at the stats, like strokes gain stats, which we look at all the time, and of the eleven strokes gain stats that they actually monitor coming into this season. So he's only three or four events in, but coming into this season, this year, he was on those 11 stats. He was outside the top 100 on nine of those 11 stats on those categories. So he's made a massive difference. Like we all know Jordan can put, we all know he can chip, you know, he proved over the weekend, his recovery play is phenomenal. Even with long irons going from deep rough and stuff, he, he hit some amazing recovery shots. He just needs to find out a way, to get it and play off the tee. Yeah, Peter Laurie said pretty much that, and I'd had to agree. And I think he said it before the tournament. Just like it's uh, people are saying, he just has to find a way to get it and play off the tee. But Peter Laurie, from experience, is saying how big a job that actually is. It's you. That the game, yeah, exactly. And like the game that he has now will c- allow him to compete at a lot of golf courses where. Like, yeah, as you say, the rough is cut down and you can hit it anywhere. And like his arm play is still class and yeah, around the greens and putting, he's still up there with the best. But come like any golf course with significant rough or tree lined or whatever, like he he has no chance. Like it, he's kind of a miracle how he's competing the way he is at the minute. Like it's being described as this kind of speed renaissance. But really, like he still doesn't know where the ball's going to go off the tee. And for any golfer to be holding the 54 hole lead two weeks in a row with that, like in the back of your head, like it's impressive. It's um, very impressive. But it's Phoenix and it's Pebble Beach. And um, they're yeah. not 
tight, tight places. Like Pebble has small greens, and that would that would suit him with his approach play and bits like that. And it, he's really good in around the greens, but like off the tee, it's not like it's not tight, tight. No. No, and he said it himself. He says like he doesn't have the control that he had when he was winning majors. Like he's not in any way deluded. Um, and there are a lot of positives. He's up to I saw sixty seven or sixty second in the world, so up twenty spots. In like people go on about how bad Jordan Spieth has had it since I guess the Open, like kind of started twenty eighteen, say. But he's won like ten million dollars on the tour in that time. Yeah, yeah. Like it just goes to show you that in golf, you don't need to win anymore. Like I, I've often said that, like there's no, there's almost no incentive to win. Like if no, you just when kept... you, for guys like him, I would put him in a different bracket of, for guys like him that have won and won big, winning is all that matters. I, I just like, whereas someone like Tony Fino, I think would have a totally different, he, Tony Fino is content with second, third, fourth. It's a yeah. good work, gets it done, didn't win, but he's not used to winning. Jordan was used to absolutely doing damage. Like, Yeah, I know. I agree with that. Um, yeah, that wasn't specific to Spieth because I'd say he could probably never pick up a golf club again and live a comfortable life. Um, but yeah, like it, it just goes to show that golf is so much better with a minute. There was a time I really hated Jordan Spieth. Like I just thought he was so dull and he was so squeaky clean. Like he was just this perfect little American. I think he's married his sky, uh, high school sweetheart. Real silver and spoon was, job. Yeah. A uh, big time. There was just, he was just golf, like a real elitist golf kind of snob. But like since that, since I think Burkdale in 2017, I had a complete reversal on him. Like the way he won that open, like the car crash going right on the 13th and, I don't know how long it took him to play this shot. And I like, he just couldn't have gone. Like it was, it was just insane. I remember he went into that tournament with a three shot lead or the, the final round of that tournament with a three shot lead and people were giving him the, the tournament, but I think they'd forgotten how he blew the masters the year before and how much mental scarring he still had from, I think it was that quadruple bogey on the 12th. Yeah. And it, like, since then you, he's kind of been the one golfer that, like he doesn't bottle any emotion. You see everything that's going on. You hear it in the conversations with Michael Greller. Like he's just pure entertainment now. And I really want him to get back to the top of his game. And he he will, I reckon he'll win this year. I'll put my hat of all on the, the we'll see. It's interesting what you say there about the stuff with Michael Greller. Of all the players, I would love to hear mic'd up is him. Like, because the, we got an insight last night on, I think it was the 14th, his, uh, his third shot into 14. We literally had a three, four minute conversation that there was a mic right on them. We're listening to him and Greller going through everything. It's only a hundred and I think he had 112 yards or something, but they went yeah. through it and Greller was saying, now there's 20 yards of hurt here. You have your hill, you have a bit of wind. They spoke about it, went through everything from adrenaline to the slopes to where the flag is, where we want to land, the usual stuff. But that insight, and then he pulls the right, like he's comfortable with his own thing. Greller steps away and straight away speed is, sorry, Mikey, I hit the wrong shot there. I should have listened to yeah, you. Yeah, you were right. And he, I he saw it. bogeyed the whole tournament gone, fine margins like, but those conversations, I would listen to them all day with him and Greller. They're just so meticulous. 
it was yeah it was really good I, I really enjoyed that as well and the fact that there was such a big difference though Greller was saying 135 and Speed was saying 119 so like that's a that's a club like um and yeah like it, there was no disrespect there it's a really good relationship like it's a proper uh, back and forth they respect each other's opinions kind of got me thinking a bit about Rory and Harry we never see that we've <laughs> talked about it before so we won't bring that up again but um yeah, I, I don't know. That that was kind of, not to win and lose in the tournament, but it was, a yeah, to go and make five in the middle of the fairway with a wedge. Um, yeah, that that was kind of the end of that. But I guess, and again, to, to talk about, like, moving the needle or whatever, like, we're talking about this tournament, we're not even talking about the winner. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Berger was, like, he's sneaky good, Daniel Berger. Um has very little charisma at all. His putting routine is a nightmare. Um, but like he gets it done. He's up to 13 in the world. He's he says himself he's underrated. He wants to be world number one. He's won four times. It was impressive. Yeah, I seen that last night. I watched his press conference last night. Um after he won, all right, tune into that. And for him to say, yeah, he feels he's underrated. But the world number one comments really. I want to get to world number one. I know some people will laugh at that. Like he's, he's ballsy. He, he, he knows he's going to be there, thereabouts. He's, he's there to win and uh, get to the top of the game. He was saying that he uses the underrated thing. Like he has the little mini chip on his shoulder and he's happy enough to use that to his advantage. Um, like it was an absolute crime that he wasn't in the last masters when he won the week before. Um, and his ranking was so good. So he, like, I'm sure he's going to do very well at Augusta. Probably be a Ryder Cup player now. Like to win four times, he's only 27 himself. Um, so yeah, he has the the golf and world at his feet, so to speak. But Jesus, watching him, Pete, that um, putting routine is the most laborious thing I've ever seen. And it would just turn people away. I don't know if there's a shot clock on that, but Christ, it took him a long time. Um, it's desperate himself and the caddy line up the pot yeah. yeah he won't win many fans no but his the rest of his game is so quick um I, like you know on the fairway and how quick his swing is and like the tempo of everything he's so he's so fast with everything else it's just the greens he i don't know he uh he tends to slow it down a bit. he's a bit old school were you saying he was using using clubs 10 years old or something yeah, he is. He's using tailor-made MC irons from 2011. So he came out, he only put them in play this time last year. So he, like he was out of contract. He said, right, I'm of a mixed bag of stuff now. I'm going to try everything that I can. But he went back to these tailor-made MC irons last year, this time last year. And uh, I think it was the Phoenix Open, actually. So last a week ago last year. And uh, he used them in college and used them the whole way throughout college won some events and he actually, I think he used them for his first two PGA tour wins as well. So back 2016, 2017, he was using these irons as well. And um, yeah, he said when his contract was up, he just threw, he had a, like an old stock new set uh, in a shed, got them in. And I, by all accounts, he's been on eBay for the last year, just buying up any sets <laughs> of them he can see. So you won't like me saying that as our equipment editor, but it just goes to show you what a cod all these technological advancements are if he's going back 10 years ago. Yeah, like it's different with the irons he's using, I suppose, to um, 
you know, your game improvement irons and what stuff would happen at that. But in, in the other end of the bag, like with blades and with those, like they're, they're muscle cavity irons that he's using from 2011. A lot of players would look at them and go, they're some of the best tailor-made irons that they've ever produced. Um, just with the weighting of them, with that little weight on the back of the face, sort of high up. Uh, they're just the really good flight. They're easy to shape, control. I actually gamed a set of them for about a year myself and loved them. But um, yeah, fair play to him. Like he, he is a real mixed bag of equipment. But uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's not the Indian, it's the arrow, you know. It's, he gets the job done and that's it. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's really good. I actually like his attitude. He was interviewed not that long ago and like people were asking about his game and his golf swing. And he was like, I don't really like have a clue how my golf swing does what it does. It just does it like it's kind of refresh, like he's simplistic in that way. I also thought it was really impressive how I don't know, like anyone watching that on Saturday, like he ballooned his drive right and it went OB and mm. um, makes seven goes two back of speed or three back of speed and then comes out the next day and absolutely guns one down to 72nd, hits it on in two and makes eagle. So like, like that's just a strong mental game as much as anything. Um, when you think back, it made me kind of think of Rory at Port Rush and in the practice round when he hit the ball right and went OB and then the next day he comes out and he says that he has that OB right in his head and he ends up hitting it left. Um, goes out of bounds there so just it is that mental game of golf but maybe burgers i don't know a bit of a dustin johnson kind of attitude maybe just free and easy that's the impression i get yeah he's definitely a closer anyway when he gets there thereabouts i I do remember him i do remember him getting i think harrington's last tour win was honda classic was it pga tour win and he was it was a playoff with burger actually on that part three when harrington like spot welded it into uh, a couple of foot on the the part three, and that was the first time I had came across him. But he's definitely a closer. Like, yeah, when you talk about that standing on the seventy second hole, that three wood that he hit, like he said it himself, best three wood he'd ever hit in his life. And then yeah. to stand on and follow up and hold the putt was, uh, you know, thirty odd foot of a putt. There's only been I think there was two eagles all week on that hole, and he finishes yeah. it. It's the longest putt that he held all week. It's the best three wood that he held all week and probably the best drive that he hit all week. And he saves it for the last hole. Like that's, that's balls. Oh, it's brilliant. That's it. God, that's a three shotter for me every day of the week, short, right. And then just lay up wedge on happy days. But no, he took it. Yeah. Bull by the horn stuff. Very impressive. Did it without Bill Murray beside him as well. What oh. did you make of no celebrities? absolutely brilliant like it, the AT&T <laughs> is just such a better tournament and I'm glad you mentioned him specifically without like I just think he's a muppet walking around <laughs> dressed like a hobo with stupid hats on I just I don't get it I don't like because it's the same thing every year it's different if they mix it up at least with the Dunhill links like they mix it up a bit and there's not as much focus on the celebrity but like over there, it's like, uh, here we go. It's like, like, it's like a carnival. Yeah, I know. It, it's annoying. I love Bill Murray's uh, like old films, things like Kingpin and all. Like he's absolutely gas. But it really tests his likes, like ability when they churn him out on tour and they're interviewing him and all sorts of stuff. Um, and then on the flip side of that is the other so-called celebs are like bloody CEOs of Toys R Us and stuff who are clearly pumping cash into the tournament. But like who? Like if I want to see those lads hacking it around, like 
I'd rather play with you, you know? Yeah, um, exactly, exactly. But, yeah, like, like I don't, I don't get the appeal. I'm sure there's so much like corporate golden handshakes happening and that kind of thing. Um, but I don't think we deserve to be subjected to it. But agreed, better tournament without the celebs for me. Yeah, we know they won't stick with that though. That's that's just a one-off, I'd say. But um, yeah, on the like other things that happened this week, mad things. Russell, did you see the Russell Knox ruling yesterday and the start of his round? First yeah, call, ball um, move. Calls a ref, gets a ruling. Ref gives his ruling. All grand walks off, and then took them five holes to come out and say, actually, no, there's a penalty going to be put onto you there. It's a bit. It's just the rules again. Golf rule, like the right rule. Yeah, there's the right decision in the end, but again, the rules just smack of stupidity. Yeah, there's no common sense. Um, I I didn't even see the ball move. I watched it so many times. Maybe I'm getting old. I couldn't see a move. Obviously, it did. Um, it was interesting that Daniel Berger was playing with him, and he came over because he wasn't really sure what the ref's decision was either. The ref kind of said that the amount, like based off Russell Knox's description, that because the ball movement wasn't instantaneous with the club behind, that there was enough kind of doubt there to suggest that he hadn't moved it. And so moved, and then like, obviously play went on. And now they've called that back that like it was in sync, the grounding of the club and the ball movement. Same thing happened to Maverick McNeely pretty much the day before. But yeah, like where who's who's getting the advantage? Like this is where the rules are gonna kill me. Um, is there is no advantage there? Like it's an absolute nonsense. Put the ball back and play. I it can make me think. Remember Zach Johnson at the Masters? Don't know if two years ago maybe, and he hits the ball with his kind of pre-shot practice swing on the tee. It might have been the thirteenth, and he's like, "What do I do now?" And he just goes over, picks the ball up, and puts it back in the tee. Yeah. Common sense. Like you're not gonna be like, "There's the shot, Zach." And that should be the same with this rule. Like, who's it? It's not protecting the game. I don't believe that players are going to be able to manipulate the rules enough. Like Bryson the Shambles and his aunts, maybe they can. I don't know. But uh, um, no, it's it, that's just a, a scourge for me. Kids I, would be pushed away from the game. It derailed his. Like he got to within two shots of the lead after four or five holes, and then like he was he was going along okay, and he was he wasn't far off making a move and then you're told that and he never recovered like we I don't think we've seen we might have seen one or two shots on TV after the ruling and that was it yeah well, it's an absolute head melt isn't it yeah um yeah I, I think yeah you've said it before like it's kind of like VAR it just like just adds all this uncertainty to everything um I don't know golf video technology and golf has just been a disaster from day one like I was watching the rugby yesterday and the TMO like it just works so well and everything's so clear and without television match officials, rugby just wouldn't be the same, but put it into golf, put it into soccer. Oh my God. Like it just causes havoc. Yeah. Especially when it's usually a a punter watching from his couch after six beers saying, ah, geez, I think that ball moved. Like it was a break. Nah, but it's a, it was unfortunate for Knox and like from an Irish level as well, then looking at another disappointing week for Seamus Power, they're really stacking up now these missed cuts. Yeah. Um, this one's particularly disappointing, I reckon, because what was the Dissoni and the Farmers he's played so far and he was in his reserve both times. Um, I think it was the Farmers he got a particularly late call, like literally barely had time to hit a ball before his tee shot. So that's, that's tough. 
But this one, like he's had it in the schedule and he would have targeted it. He's had good results here in the past. The courses would have suited him. Um, I don't know if you, like I was only going off the shot tracker, but it looked like he missed the tiddler um, on the eighth hole, his 17th and missed the cup by a shot. Yeah. I think the putt was like 17 inches or something. Um, so that's a sickener, really. And the only the only other Irish man supposedly in the field last week was Paddy H. Harrington catches COVID, just madness. When you think of when when you think back to the conversations you had with him, uh, when you described him as being locked up in a bunker before the Irish Open, like for six months in his own little house in his own little bubble, um, of all the guys you didn't want to get it because you knew they'd freak out, Harrington was the man. I know. I yeah, poetic justice. He yeah, he didn't want to be a burden, Podrick. I wonder how he's feeling now. But um nah, listen, he's well he looks fine to be fair. He had a lovely uh hotel room overlooking the first tee, which was great. Flat out in the Netflix watching Mindhunter. Couldn't be a more appropriate show for the Tinker Man to have. Had the um, best curry of his life, apparently. Did you see that? He said he had the yeah. best curry of his life. And then he was giving yeah. out about, uh, I can't find the remote control from the telly. I think it's either the, it's either someone has taken it or I need to clean my room. And I think it's the latter. He's he's just having yeah. great banter with it. Oh, stop. He was saying he was smashing the cups of tea as well. Um, i say he was sickened um, after the miscut last week. Like he, he went over there to win. Like he's feeling competitive. And it would have suited him a bit of Lynx golf. Um, I saw a couple of lads that tipped him up pre-tournament. It's p- particularly with Monterey not being played this year. Like it hasn't suited him in the past. Um, so yeah, missed opportunity, but it looks like potentially he could play this week. It'll be yeah, tight. It's a strange one, yeah. But on his, <laughs> his hotel room as well. I remember I remember before him, like God and he knows what he's getting up to in that hotel room with his golf clubs. Like he will have drills on drills. Imagine the killer for him of all people. Like he's tweeting, looking out onto the first tee of the tournament. So he's had to watch everybody tee off or hear everyone tee off outside his balcony. They're literally 20 yards away. Like, and yeah. uh, you can imagine him working on different feelings. I remember I think it was his first tweet he ever sent actually was 2014 and the I think it was the Arnold Palmer Invitational when he literally was warming up in the hotel room the night before he went to bed and knifed a golf ball through the hotel window and he's saying 500 reasons why you shouldn't practice in the hotel room you like smash the windows <laughs> you can only imagine what he's getting up to yeah our stuff I wouldn't say that would deter him one bit probably chipping balls into the sink and all sorts um, and it actually, funny enough, it has kind of been his short game um, has been letting him down a bit lately. Um, well, it did in Phoenix. So maybe like yeah, a kind of a rest from his speed work and practicing the putting might help. Who knows? But he's saying that I think he's waiting Wednesday night. Potentially he's out of the mandatory quarantine or whatever that the PGA Tour protocols provide, um, which would give him enough time to sneak a few holes in. And he was saying he might get a later tea time on the Thursday, but he'll want to play like big field, big money, like the Genesis yeah. is quality. And he's after having a, re- like, you know, if it doesn't hit him that hard, which it doesn't seem to be hitting him that hard. He said he's a mate that has had it before and is advising him on things and going through. He seems to be like, he'll be well rested going in. He's been off the back of a good few tournaments. So like um, the rest probably will do him a bit of good, but yeah, it's just, he's talking about, Getting yeah, get it going down there. No practice rounds. He knows Riviera well anyway. So, being there for 
probably 10, 12 times in his career already with tournaments. So talking about just driving down and just literally going to the first tee on Thursday. Yeah, I guess one thing that it does highlight is um, the difference between the tour bubbles. I know you've experienced the European tour bubble. It's like people have described the PGA Tour as a bit of a zoo. I don't know if that's relatively true, but there have been much more cases. Um, and yeah, Harrington, first time out, like catches the COVID. So yeah, yeah big not- time. He's like, I think he was, when you do, when you strip it back six weeks, like or not six weeks, six events. He did six events on the European Tour from Galagorm at the Irish Open. He was in Scotland. He was in Wentworth, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, all in the European Tour bubble, no problems. And he himself, I actually... So I was in the tour European tour bubble for Galgorm and he was just blown away by the protocols, how strict things are. Like they're literally media are the same. Everyone that's there, you're buddied up with one person. So even players are buddied up, caddies are buddied up, same hotel. You're literally golf course and hotel. So you're not like the protocols I got when I was in Galgorm, I was staying out um Oh, where are we staying? The Temple Patrick, actually, the Hilton Temple Patrick and to Galgorm. So you've like a half an hour, 25 minutes of a drive to the golf course. But um, from the, you're literally not allowed to stop your car. Once you get out, like you're not allowed to go to, they advise you to fill your car up with petrol before you got there on site. You have your pre-COVID tests, you have your daily checks and just no mixing with other people. And they really do enforce the rules. Whereas like you said, it was interesting to see some of the players' comments on it, even before the Harrington situation, when some of the American guys came across and filled their wheelbarrows up and went back in their private jets with all the money from the <laughs> Middle East. So you'd Colin Morikawa coming out and uh, pretty much saying, you know, how different the tour bubble is and um, that they're pretty much, they're doing it correctly in Europe. And it, the stats don't lie. The European tour have had damn all COVID infections and, Harrington from playing a six events, traveling so many different countries, first week in the States and he picks it up. It does speak yeah. volumes about the protocols they have. Absolutely. And it like it's it's not for everyone that European tour bubble. Like you've seen people like Andrew Beef Johnson like not being able to hack the idea of just being locked away in a hotel room, golf hotel, seeing that one other person. Um, whereas in the on the PGA Tour, it sounds like lads are going out for dinner during the week, mixing um, and going playing. So, yeah, I don't know. It's each to their own, I guess. But it sounds like that European Tour bubble that you described there, it sounds like something that us regular Joes could very easily do, driving to the golf course, seeing nobody, playing yeah. golf. So it gives you a bit of hope for March, maybe if people see a bit of sense, that like it's very easily replicated. Yeah, hopefully. No, hopefully Porrick returns now this week. It'd be good to see him back at the Genesis because he is playing well. And then we've we've Rory coming back this week as well, you know, after I think his last round and was the last round in Phoenix 64, 65. Um yeah, the usual sure, yeah. Sunday fall over the line, you know, nothing matters. Let's shoot 64, get another top six or seven. And it's just so frustrating. But hopefully he can get his get his act together this week and actually contend early in the week and then we'll We'll see how good his game actually is. Yeah, exactly. No, I like it's kind of broken record stuff chatting about Rory now. Like, obviously, like he's so consistent, but he just needs that W. And if he can win, yeah, we we can talk him up again for Grand Slams and this and that. But 
as it stands, there's a few kind of demons at play, it seems. Um, and he needs to prove to himself that he can win again. Um, and winning in the Genesis, like it's pretty much a major field. So mm. if he can do it this week, it'd be great. Um, but yeah, he'll, he'll play well. He, he made always some interesting does. comments. He made some interesting comments after the last that he's going away. So he took this week off, going away, working on a swing. He had a lot of work to do. He said he's just getting so steeper and steeper and steeper. It's like exactly what their comments that Paul Dunn was making when his kind of his bad year two years ago when he lost his card and stuff like that. It's just it's a it's a struggle for him not to be getting steeper and steeper. So it'll be interesting to see what he comes out with this week and how his swing is because by all accounts he was just going away to absolutely hammer the turf and just just get at it yeah he had the the plane perfecter um that he was going to be flat out using it's mad like after watching them in abu dhabi or was it dubai on the range just knocking balls and you would have thought like sure that swing's perfect but um he obviously he isn't replicating it in competition play um yeah, I don't know. Like Rory, he's just so consistent. But yeah, you'd love to see him winning. Um, so we'll we'll hold fire, I think, for another McElroy Inquisition. We'll see how he goes this week. Yeah, exactly. And so, like the last thing I was looking at um, over the last week, interesting news that happened: the whole DMDs, disemmeasuring devices, and what the USGA have come out with. A bit of a strange time and a strange thing to come out with, like allowing. Um, range finders and all that uh, during competition play of and starting it off at a major what what do you think of all that yeah i it just feels unnecessary that's what i'd say like um personally i think it will slow from from my use of garments and bushnels if anything it slows me down um particularly using the gun um, it's not so bad when you have the watch, but like they're not gonna they're gonna want the laser to the exact yeah. You can't but imagine Tiger Tiger stopping there in the middle of the fairway there taking out his watch, having a look at it. Yeah, <laughs> what do we have front, middle, and back here? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh no, it's just yeah, it's another it's another point of reference for player and caddy to fight over. And like as you brought up earlier with Greller and Speed, like they take bloody adrenaline into it. So now they're taking technology into it. If the gun, like the laser yardage contradicts what they've come up with themselves with a yardage book, it's, it's just going to add confusion. Will it? Yeah, I, I know you've talked about maybe it's the first step towards abolishing the yardage book. Yeah. Um, like, well, not even that. I think it'll speed things up for players like Speed that are so far offline that they don't have to go looking for dots on fairways that are yeah. like 40, 50 yards away. So, It'll help caddies when they're off. Like, like I can't see players. Players aren't going to use these things on every hole. It's when you're 20, 30 yards offline and uh, it's very hard to get an accurate distance if you're 20, 30 yards off a fairway um, because, you know, they're marked on the fairways and you're kind of doing it in a circular motion to the green and trying to work out where and how far front, middle and back stuff. And yeah, I think it's it's not going to be used by many players. It'll be used at certain times. They all carry the rangefinders in their bags anyway. I, I I just think the biggest the biggest thing that needs to be looked at in all this are the green reading books, and they don't seem to be making much fuss about abolishing them or sanctioning them. 
Yeah. Well, you only have to look at or try and look at Daniel Berger and how long he took over the greens the other day. Like something has to be done for just golf as a spectacle, as a TV spectacle. It's it's desperate to watch. In on the the DMDs, I did see Colin Byrne. He's picked up Louis Oosthuizen's bag, which is a pretty great bag to have. He was saying that like back in the day, before even the modern yardage books that he felt that his preparation was so meticulous before a tournament that it would actually give his player an advantage um, compared to other caddies. And he, he feels like this kind of thing negates his skill set um, that like lads can just swoop in with their legs or whatever. He'd prefer if they weren't used and he's probably not going to use one. Um, but it's interesting, yeah, to hear from a, a caddy's perspective. It's not like, yeah, I don't even, it's not a big deal. Like it, it's, it wouldn't like the, those rule issues that we talked about earlier with Russell Knox and McNeely, like that kind of thing is, is far more important to just get right and get more common sense into that rule book of golf. Cause it's always been lacking. And I know they've been trying lately and there have been improvements um, and they've modernized them a bit and a little less pedantic, but it's still things like that. Like you try explaining that to your young lad. Like that, that fella's being penalized a shot, like for what that? And you tell him, like, it's ridiculous. His ball oscillated, son. His ball oscillated. You remember <laughs> that? Yeah. Oh, stop. Uh, yeah. I don't know where you're meant to take your address anymore. Even just thinking from an amateur point of view, like, lads really struggle to hover their club over the grass. Um, and you don't want to be like taking your address six inches behind the ball. There'd be lads chunking all over the place. Like yeah. it just it's tricky. It's really tricky. And the fact that you like you need a microscope to see it as well. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I think that kind of brings us near the end of everything like that we wanted to go through this week. We're gonna introduce a new little segment at the end of every week now where we're gonna go heroes and villains for the week and just outline a few things that we thought. Um couple of heroes, couple of villains, couple of takeaways and wrap it up with that. So I'm gonna start off with villains anyway. Um We'll save the heroes to last. So uh, villains, definitely Nate Lashley. I, he got himself into, and all, like I know some people will say it's a bit harsh, but he got himself into a great position, share of the lead, um, standing on the 16th green. He led the tournament in field in strokes gained, putting for the previous 70 holes. He's tied for the lead and he has a four foot from 12 feet. And he absolutely hammered the putter into the green, just butchered it like. Um, yeah, for, and well, oh, nobody bat an eyelid. I know lads are giving the benefit of the doubt, but you just can't. You can't react like that. No, but I saw people calling for a, a suspension. He's definitely going to get a fine. Um, he was looking like the winner there for a while until that came out absolutely nowhere. And you can you can't understand the frustration, but it's just a really bad look, especially to a green. Kind of, you'd think like um, Sergio's bloody Saudi massacre in that bunker. Um, like, it's just not a good look for golf. And we've all been there, but there's very few lads you'd see take a chunk out of the green, especially one at Pebble Beach. Well, that's the thing, you know, it's one of their homes of golf as well. It's like, you know, it, like, some people will look at that in the same way as the guys that descended there upon Capitol Hill a few weeks ago. You just don't touch yeah. Pebble Beach like that. <laughs> Absolutely not. I know it looks like it was pretty flat and he pounds it down, but 
Yeah, no, not good by Nate Lashley. Um, Any other yeah, villains? Villains for me, my villain that remains the rules of golf, um, and it'll have to be that like those those silly instances where, as you say, a ball oscillates, no advantage is gained, and yet someone is penalised. There's just no explaining that to some young lad or young girl trying to get into the game. Like how that is fair, I'll never know, and it never will be. I don't like the the Blazers maybe who want to protect their their precious rule book. Like you, you have to look at um, broadening golf's horizons to a bigger audience. And there's, I just can't think of another sport that is more penal for such tiny indiscretions, if you even call it an indiscretion. Like I wouldn't. Um, so yeah, rule book for me, the villain. Yeah, free free golf from its sins. Um, <laughs> and heroes then, right? Move on to heroes. What do you think? My well, like the hero should be um Daniel Berger, really. But my my favorite moment of watching it was Maverick McNeely. I'm gonna give the vote for my hero, not just because his name is class, but um on the 72nd hole, he's only 25. Like I don't know much about his golf game at all. But he, he takes on uh, the green and two and just hits the sweetest second shot. Not 100% what club he used, but if you have a look at the club twirl that he takes on and the tour sauce that's just dripping from it. It's like Tiger, when Tiger, President's Cup 09, the one with Tiger, the, the two arms go out left and the club's twirled and he's just walking after it. McNeely's done the same. He's grabbed out, outright second for taking it on. And it, it's serious reward. Um, so yeah, I I give it to him. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for Jordan Speed. Actually, I'm not gonna go for Burger. I, I just think, you know, I've knocked him a bit over the last few weeks. He's really stepped up to the plate, and he's he's got himself into an uncomfortable position for, um, for what he's been used to over the last two years. And he he's stood up to it mostly. You know, he's a bit to work on. I didn't think he would take much away from it last week, but he has. He's built on it. And uh, yeah, he, he hopefully he can get his act together off the tee and, and get there. There's a lot of love out there for Jordan, as we said, by the Instagram poll and all the social media stuff. People really want him back winning. And I think golf is going to be better if he's up there, thereabouts. And I hope he starts in a run and gets gets into that Ryder Cup team for them. Yeah, it'd be great to see in the Ryder Cup. But yeah, golf is just so much better for having him in it. Um, he's just an honest, honest golfer. He's been honest about his woes. And he's just a real, like I said before that I didn't didn't like him. Um, these days, like I can't, I can't dislike him. He just, like if you sent a private investigator out to get some dirt on Jordan's feet, like he'd never find it. He's just a... A proper nice lad. Even the fact that he's maintained like his relationships with Greller and his coach and stuff through his struggles, like there's no, like, it's just a nice reflection of him as a person. And um, I know you said he needs fundamental change, and maybe he does need to bend the coach or something. But for now, like he's been very loyal to them, and he he takes the blame. He took the blame of Greller on that little back and forth that we talked about, and he just seems like it. He's just a guy you want to root for. Simple as that. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that, right? Well, as always, Johnner, thanks for joining us again. And um, yeah, we'll be back again next week. As always, if you want to catch up with all the latest Irish golf news, tune in to irishgolfer.ie. 
uh, log on there and follow us on any of our social channels as well at Irish Golfer Mag on Facebook, Twitter, and Insta. Cheers for tuning in, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks. Thank you.